Hello! Welcome to Why Not Both, the podcast all about how our multiple passions and interests shape our identity and our lives. My name is Pam Schaefer, and I am a musician and therapist in Los Angeles, and I also happen to be your host. This podcast is produced by Laura Studeris, and for this season, we've partnered up with Under the Radar magazine. If you like what you hear, you can hang out with us on social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at WNB, the podcast. And if you really, really like what you hear, please support us on Patreon. We are under Why Not Both podcast. When you join our Patreon, you get a whole bunch of really cool behind the scenes stuff and you get to chat with us. And that's pretty awesome. Thank you so much for your support. And I hope you enjoy our interviews. For this episode, we got to hang out with musician Chris Bayo. You may know him from Vampire Weekend, but he actually has a really awesome new solo album that just came out. I hope you enjoy our chat. Welcome to Why Not Both, where we talk about how weird everything has been lately. <laughs> no, I do appreciate you spending the time with me, though. It's been, it's funny because I started the podcast being like, hey, people who are multi-passionate, and now like we kind of all are because we were all forced to be during this. I love that. Yeah, it's uh, certainly, uh, I, I hope that this is the one pandemic that uh, I lived through in my lifetime. It's, it's just, it's obviously, uh, like we were saying before you started recording, time and our previous understanding of it has been uh completely collapsed and the certain like uh standards or, or like our understanding of it just doesn't doesn't apply anymore and like for me at the very least like there have been these different phases of lockdown for me but the fact that i'm starting to talk to people and do some interviews for this album that i finished a year ago and then it's going to come out in a couple weeks um, but then there's like no touring, no live shows or anything that that part of it does feel that's felt a little bit weird for me as like the years turned over and I've been doing some stuff for that. That's uh, yeah, it's just I, I don't know if I have anything more insightful to say other than that. It's like uh, a new a new old thing that I'm experiencing differently. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> It seems like it's kind of like turned expectations on their heads where it's like normally when you release an album, you're doing press, but you're touring and you're getting it out to people. And now it's like, I made this thing a year ago. It's like this time capsule and everything has changed since then. Yeah, um, I, I will say that for people out there listening, that if you make an album and uh, put it out, then you get to do interviews. So you get to talk with other people. So that's a great way to like... Uh, have more connection during these times where uh, we're all alone. If you're feeling lonely, all you have to do is make an album and put it out. Then you can do some interviews and make some new friends. <laughs> I love that. It's like step one, make an album. Step two, friends. Step five, profit. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm here for the friends. That's where I, I finish off at step two. You're like, I just like step two. Mm -hmm. Yeah, weird because music is usually such a sociable activity. I mean, sometimes the creation of it is rather hermetic, but then the sharing of it is very sociable. Yeah, absolutely. And like, um, you know, I tend to, on my music I work, 95% of it is me alone in a room um, in front of a computer, whether I'm, you know, dragging stuff around or playing an instrument into the computer. And like, when I think of albums I've made, that's really like the first part of the process is 
sitting down, making the album, putting it out. And when I really think of the life of an album, that's half of it. And then the other half is the, you know, year to 18 months after that, where you're going in rooms with other people and playing the songs that you worked on for them. And so uh, that part of it is just, yeah, that, that second half of an album's life, I, I have no idea if any form of that will exist for this record. And that's, I guess, like, how have you been connecting with people on it now that you are kind of bringing it out into the world, like you are doing this podcast, but like, how else are you sharing it? Or how else do you plan on doing that? Uh, I really have no idea. I mean, I've been thinking about doing what what it means to play live in some capacity. Um, I think that there's been... In the ideal like version of it, and it's something that I've been thinking about, I would love to play music in some capacity. And when somebody watches it, they forget that we are in the middle of a global pandemic. So um, there's constant daily reminders that we're in the midst of a global pandemic. You cannot deny that. There's there's just no, it, that that's our, with, you know, people having, different perceptions and, and crazy like warping of meaning in uh, modern digital life, you cannot deny the existence of a global pandemic right now if you go outside your door anywhere in this country. And so because we're all living in this world where every day we're reminded of um, the fact that we're in the midst of a global pandemic, my ideal version of playing music in some capacity would be something that people watched and for the whatever, for the five minutes, for the hour, for the 90 minutes that the people watching it are not thinking about the fact that we're in the midst of the global pandemic. Now, have I come up with a way to do that? No, I can't say that I have the like single webcast. I, mean, I don't know. I just find like if I see somebody that's going live on Instagram, it doesn't I, I don't want to click on it because there's something that just like will reinforce and tie whatever music they're playing to the facts of our circumstance. Mm. And, and, and the, one, the one thing that I did watch that like, granted there was like um, a loneliness, a solitary nature to it, um, but that I really, really loved was um, Nick Cave, who's one of my favorite artists, did uh, a solo piano uh, concert in the middle of Alexandra Palace. Um, and that broadcast last summer and mm -hmm. sat at home and watched it. And I, and I can honestly say for the whatever 90 some minutes that he did that show, I was not thinking about um, the fact that I can't go indoors with my friends or family or the fact that I haven't seen my parents in eight or nine months now, or I, I guess actually over a year at this point, like, um, I, I wasn't thinking about any of that. I was just thinking about um, a performer that I love playing music in a way that I've never really seen him play music before. And so mm. when I'm like thinking about it or running it through my head, that's kind of the platonic ideal. Now, if that were an easy thing to figure out a bunch of people would have done performances like that, but um, I haven't really seen any. So I don't know, it's something that I've been wrestling with just like purely on the live side purely on the idea of playing a song on my own at home um in terms of like how i'm interacting with other people uh i think just putting music out in the world releasing it seeing how people respond even if it's a 
someone replying to me at Twitter or somebody like or a friend texting me being like, you know what, I, I really like this album. My favorite song is telling, you know, sending my record to some of my best friends and hearing them tell me what their favorite song was that in and of itself is just like a joy because I know that, you know, people I care about, people I love sat down for, you know, the 43 minutes that the record is listened to it, had some opinions and let me know. And um, even if we can't be in the same room together, even if I can't see them when I'm on tour, um, that just like means the world to me and does like make me personally feel at least a little bit less alone in this world. Yeah, it's that like, I'm trying to think of the right word for it. It's like the way that music can transport you, the way that you described like watching Nick Cave's performance, that it's like everything else was temporarily suspended. And like, that's a hard thing to do, but it's a very worthwhile thing to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And thinking about what you said about, you know, that this usually would be like the second half of making an album. Um, and that a lot of that seems like it has a lot of meaning to you. Like there's the meaning of like making the album itself when you're recording it and you're tracking things on your own and you're creating it. But then the second part of the meaning is like, well, how does this connect me to other people and how do other people then be drawn into the music to create that kind of like transportative, is that a word? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> transportative totally. experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's really important during this time because it's like you can't think about the pandemic 24-7. It's like you might think of it like, 23.57 but that other 0.5 can be taken up by something like utterly beautiful that has nothing to do with it yeah i that exactly and i i um i, I love everything that you just said it's it, it makes me think like i'm very curious when we move past this when um things become normal again when this virus gets driven under down underground rather um how many movies are gonna really be about this pandemic? How much like art is really gonna be about this pandemic? Because like, if we all lived it, there's something kind of boring about that. Do we really, like three years from now, will, um, will you really wanna like watch a, a movie about the pandemic? I don't think that most people will. So I just, it, it is kind of interesting to think about um, the relationship between things that are being made during this time and the circumstances, you know? Did you find yourself like during this time creating more or did you find yourself taking a step back from that? Like, what did your time look like during this year between like making the album and now it is coming out? But I'm like, there's that, there's that in-between time. Uh, I tend to get fairly, um, obsessive about the news when things when shit really hits the fan i'll say that about myself and i know it's not like my best quality uh you know my best character quality as a person um so i this record you know it's coming out in three weeks but i i would say i think next week is going to be the year anniversary of when i finished writing and recording it so oh. um the whole thing was conceived, every lyric was written way, way before I heard um, about COVID. And uh, basically I had been touring like pretty uh, aggressively with Vampire Weekend, um, like up until that point, I kind of made this record out as we were touring the last Vampire Weekend record. Mm -hmm. 
Excuse me, sorry. And um, and so we got home from this tour in Australia in January, and I, you know, whatever, I finished the record, and kind of for the first time in my life, I felt just this kind of like exhaustion um, and uh, like a real sense of like I just want to lay in bed for a month. Um, and I think that part of it is being older, you know, I'm 36 years old right now and I've been touring since I was 22 years old. Uh, part of it was like really writing and recording a record while touring another record, which is something I've never really done. Um, you know, I would like, mm -hmm. there'd be a day off on tour and I would take like um, a train down from like the North of England to London to do like one day in the studio and be in the studio till 2 a.m. and just like really, um, didn't stop so so I just I, I I had never really felt that way before um mm -hmm. coming home from touring so so when you know stuff started getting canceled when it was very clear that um you know live music wasn't going to be happening on a very personal just purely individual level uh, I was very much okay with just sitting at home um and not doing anything and I I like I said before I guess I just tend to be like fairly obsessive um, about what's happening in the news. So like my wife and I last February as like, uh, you know, there was like a break in touring with the band. We went on a vacation to Mexico and just sat on the beach for a week. And I was like, brought all these books I was going to read. And that was when like COVID was just like becoming such a big news story. And there was a new New York Times story on it every like three to four hours. Yeah. And and my beach vacation, instead of like reading books and paying attention to like things outside of what was happening in the world, I just like fucking sat on the beach and read about COVID for a whole week. So then that's kind of just like how I am. So in the first like four months of um, the pandemic, I just like, I, I didn't do anything really. I just, I, I just watched the news and yeah. ate and like, and worried. Um, so that, that was, that was, early lockdown uh luckily enough i had this album that i finished so um but it wasn't mixed so starting in like june and july um i worked with a mixer for the first time a, a great guy named lars stolfers and he um he would mix the album in his studio and i would click on this little web link and like listen to the stream of his mix so oh my god i did the I same thing with my mixer and it was amazing carry on i just got so excited yeah it was it was <laughs> It was kind of crazy that like Lars, I haven't been in the same room as Lars ever. I haven't like met him. I haven't hung out with him. Um, and like, I talked to him. I had like one or two Zooms with him. And then like, he was mixing the record and we would text over, you know, Messenger. And it felt more like I had like an AIM buddy, like an AOL and yeah. when I was like 15 <laughs> rather than a collaborator. I, I will say though that like, hearing him do the mixes in my studio in a room where I know how everything sounds which I've never done before it like made things easier than ever sometimes you'll be mixing and then you'll like throw a mix on in your car and it'll just sound completely different from the room you mix it in because you're not familiar with that room or you'll like play it on your stereo at home and it won't sound uh like it sounded in the other room so I actually really loved mixing my record that way. And, and that's one of those things where like, 
you could see remote mixing being more and more popular as a result of this pandemic. Like there yeah. are going to be things that I, I spent a lot of time thinking about that are just going to be changed because of the fact that we have this pandemic at gigs. Are you going to stand in line at a bar and like, you know, hand over your credit card and sign? I, I think that there's going to be a different way. Um, I don't know if you're like, uh, do you ever do that like contact list where you pay with your credit card just by tapping it on the like top of a um like the credit card machine i just started doing that and i just installed um apple pay because i had had like i had the iphone i think it was the 6s for a super long time i'm barely five feet tall and i have tiny hands <laughs> like i'm like basically child sized and so like each time the phone would upgrade i'm like man like my phone's really lagging but like i physically i couldn't even hold any of the new androids either they kept going like just bigger and bigger and i was like i was like i can't buy a phone that i just need to use two hands for this is stupid <laughs> so like i finally got like um the 12 mini and i adore it um oh nice yeah like it's everything that I ever wanted. It fits in one hand. Um, and I just installed like the contact list because when I do, like I said, when I go to like the neighborhood coffee shop that they open the little window, what I love is that like I can support a business, but I literally, I don't have to touch anything. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. I can just like wave my phone at the thing and it gives them money and then right yeah change pleasantries and and then they give me coffee like it's it's yeah. like sorcery <laughs> yeah yeah and, and so i guess the reason why i bring that up like i um i lived in london for five years and it was always contactless like you yeah. know going back to 2013 but i just learned that that technology was developed in response to the sars pandemic in that in Asia, they didn't want people, you know, touching the same surfaces and stuff like yeah. that. So after the SARS pandemic, they, you know, started rolling out contactless payment. And there are going to be kind of like all these things that change um, in the music industry, how music is made and how music is performed and what concerts are like as a result of this. And, and like doing this like remote mixing, which I loved doing, was kind of the first uh, iteration of that, I guess. Well, I'm glad that it's like, it sounds like for a while I was talking to people about like kind of the fear responses that we all have. And it sounds like you kind of went into freeze mode for a while. Um, and like, I think that there was this weird rush for people to create things, especially there's a lot of pressure on artists and musicians to be like, we're in a pandemic and we're all stuck here, entertain us. And it's like, no, we're all freaked out. Um, but some people, their fear response is flight, but that can look like productivity and others, it looks like what you're describing where you're just kind of like in the news cycle and sitting there being like, well, I'm freaked out. Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and, and like, I mean, I just, the, the kind of fear, you know, the, the last show that I played with Vampire Weekend was like March 7th and I had been on a plane and then there was you know talk of the five to 14 day incubation period and mm -hmm. um, my wife is asthmatic so just like uh sitting at home and reading and like educating myself as much as possible I realized that in a way that's a kind of defense mechanism to feel like if I'm armed with as much information as possible about this um oncoming pandemic i can keep my family safe you know yeah and it sounds like for those months it's like i think that people have to kind of work through their responses so then they can move on to something else like it sounds like then you did move on to like you said like 
learning about remote mixing, which I hadn't known about before this. It was my mixer that suggested the same thing because even though we're in the same city, hilariously, he and I had actually never met before. Um, <laughs> and like, we just started doing remote mixing and it was amazing for the reasons that you, that you just said. Um, and like, I mean, we still haven't been in the same room. We did go watch the sunset together on the beach. That was really fun. Oh, nice. That's yeah. Great. It was like a year into working with each other. We were just like, this is dumb. How do we safely actually meet each other? <laughs> um, so that was really nice. And like, shout out to Ross. Loved watching the sunset. Um, but like, it's been fascinating because it has it has opened up all these ways to collaborate with people that I wouldn't have thought of before. And there are still things that I would prefer doing in person. Like there's, there's really no substitute for when you're bouncing ideas in the same room. Yeah. I think it can sort of reveal both the possibilities and the limits of technology. How has it been? Cause you have your own recording studio. Like, do you only record your own stuff or do you work with other artists there as well? Um, I had several New Year's resolutions last year, and one was to record another artist. And like many years, uh, that was one of several New Year's resolutions that I broke. But it was on account of the global pandemic, not any fault of my own. <laughs> I give you a pass on that one. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, because no, I did. I, I really, I mean, I like, one of the other ones was to read 40 books. I like, uh, ended up not reading anything for you know four or five months so I crapped out like at 27 doing like a marathon reading session at the end of the year but like uh I actually think I would have achieved my new year's resolutions and and, and you know we'll see I you know I'm gonna hold myself super accountable this year um but uh no I I I, I do want to produce other people it is something where um I know that I would enjoy it. I've always enjoyed doing remixes for other artists. Um, and I, I also, for the first time in my life, I have like a fully set up studio. I have a drum set that's mic'd up. I have everything I need to make an album at like my fingertips. Um, so it's, it's definitely, um, you know, whatever, 10 days after the second jab, uh, I'm, I'm ready to, to do that with other people. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I am, I'm so excited for that. It's like, oh my God, we get to make things inside with people? What? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, also, I was like, bold move having all the drums mic'd. I was like, I have my piano mic'd at all times, but that's just because I'm really lazy. Huh. <laughs> like, <sighs> no, it's better that way. Like having to set it up every time, that's... uh. No, that's annoying. No question. Exactly. If you, if you don't have to move the mics, then that's a beautiful thing. <laughs> I low-key don't. The only, the only problem is that my Roomba has definitely tried to scale my mic stand. I don't know why. Okay. That's a bad Roomba you got. It's got to be, it's tough when you have a Roomba and you think you've raised a good Roomba, but you have a misbehaved bad Roomba. It's sad stuff. <laughs> it was like climb every mountain, scale yeah. every mic stand. I was like, yo, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's not the way. <laughs> There's nothing there for you. <laughs> mm -hmm what have you been up to I guess once you came out of kind of like the scary news cocoon like were there other things that you found yourself turning towards during this time especially because it sounds like you'd been touring really intensely from like 22 to 36 and I was like for lack of all else like this probably did give you time to like not do that and I'm like what what else did you do yeah um 
Definitely. I, I think that there have been uh, a couple things that I've picked up. Um, I was always like a, a fairly avid runner and um, maybe it would have been, there were a couple times where like, whatever, I got back from the last show I played, I went running at the Rose Bowl and, and I was like, this is weird. This is kind of like fucked up. Um, I went running on my street and it would have been shortly after I was introduced to the concept of social distancing. So I was like, all right, as I run, I need to make sure I am um, six feet away from every person. And all of a sudden I was just running side to side and like <laughs> worried about hurting other no. people. And there were like all kinds of articles about, and you know, I have plenty of family in New York City and like people that just going for runs in New York City. And, and like at this point, the science is kind of like borne out that it's highly unlikely that you would make someone else sick, but even just other people's like fear level. There, there is something selfish I thought about people that like continued their running like nothing was going on. Um, so I, I stopped running and I switched to jumping rope, which is something I can do awesome. with a very, very limited amount of space. And um, without getting my droplets uh, anywhere near anybody. So um, yeah. that's become one of like my big uh, COVID discoveries. Um, so that's been very nice. Uh, the other thing that uh, happened is that my wife and I bought a house in Oregon on the water, which is where I am right now, which oh my God. Really to be in a position to do so. So I have been um, kayaking, which is something that I never thought I would ever get into. And I've been hiking a lot. And I, I, I like I said before, I lived in um, England for five years and, and I really like the air here. And um, I, I just really like the outdoors. So that's kind of been uh, the sort of uh, insane lucky thing that I've gotten into over the past few months. And it's been, you know, it's, it's been fun. I love it. That sounds amazing. And yeah, the Pacific Northwest, the climate is actually very similar to parts of the UK, I found at least. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. So that's kind of also the reason why I was uh, five minutes late to our uh, appointment is <laughs> a, a, like 25 minute drive from the grocery store, which is uh, very different from what I've been used to as someone who was born in New York City, raised in a small suburb, lived in cities for, um, you know, almost 20 years after that. But uh, I, I'm into it. Quiet life. I was gonna say it sounds like you really changed things up. And in a way, like, I'm wondering how that affected like your sense of identity this year, too. If it's like prior, you were <laughs> always in. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just no, no, no. I just like it's 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 um, I I essentially, uh, the question here is, um, how much of a poser am I as I as I get into my answer? Where it's like I I I because I you know I have my Zoom video on and I see myself and I stopped shaving when I came up here and that's like, <laughs> <laughs> am I just like a guy trying too hard to be like an Oregon guy? Um, <gasps> and that's kind of the question I've been asking myself. I do anticipate shaving this thing off um, like after a little after the album comes out. I find that like 
uh, something about the like isolation and these times, like not cutting my hair for a year. I mean, I'm balding and shit, but like, and I never would have like grown my hair out, but I kind of just like, like how insane it looks and, and having a big dumb beard. So to answer your question, I like, in terms of uh, like surface identity, I've definitely done some poser shit as a result of spending a bunch of time up in Oregon. That is hilarious. I'm like, full disclosure, I do keep the camera off because everyone's on their Wi-Fi in WeHo. Where oh, okay. I, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, also sometimes I look like a trash panda, but it's like, I I used to do it with the with the camera on, but since everyone's doing like school at home and work from home, my Zoom would just drop out like during during the podcast, and I was like, no, we can't be having that. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, no, that's good. Good yeah. you. Um, but it is really funny. I'm like full disclosure, my hair is now down to my butt, and I mean I'm <laughs> five feet tall, so that's not a huge feat, but. Same thing. Haven't cut my hair all year. I'm definitely wearing like a fancy slip dress and a hoodie. I don't know. Nice, what yeah, yeah. Here, but I was like, this is my vibe. This is exactly my vibe. It's like neo-Victorian trash pixie. Oh <laughs> <Hell> yeah. <laughs> and so it's interesting though, because it's like in a year when we're not being observed, it's like we can kind of tap into like, well, who do I want to be? And also in a time when like, usually we would define ourselves by like, well, what makes us money or what's most visible or how do people perceive us? Um, we're kind of freed from that. And it's like, cool. Yeah. You get to be a dude with a beard in Oregon. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> like, yeah but I, I will say, I, I will say, cause I have, you know, I have like zoom calls with childhood friends. Um, I kind of have made a point I don't wear sweatpants all day. I, I, I do make a point of like dressing every single day. And it's something that I kind of like learned fairly early on, like into being a musician and um, touring and stuff, which is that like early on, I would just be on tour and I would come home from tour. And if I didn't like put on normal clothing and just wore like pajamas or like sweatpants or something I would not do any work I would not be productive right. I would just watch tv right. all day and and there is that temptation if you're like a touring musician that it's like okay the tour is done I can and I've heard plenty of stories of like uh if you're a person in a band coming home from tour and just fucking playing video games with like a headphone on where you like yell at other people all day and that becoming <laughs> your life and it was kind of important to me to like not do that to be able to be productive and so just like out of habit like this is you know going back like 12 years now I just always make a point of like getting up putting on real pants putting on a real shirt like even if I'm not going to leave the house for the day so uh, at the very least, I, I have managed to keep up with that to the the shock of some of my um, friends across the world that I zoom with but it like uh it, it does help me in general even like through periods where I was not in fact being productive earlier on in the pandemic well and I think that that speaks to that speaks to having like consistency in a way that keeps you grounded like I was joking that I am wearing a hoodie and a slip but it's like that's what makes me actually feel most like me in terms of like like me getting dressed and saying what I said it's certainly not a value judgment it's just like realizing what works for me and that that's like how I can be most productive and I think that if you can identify that in yourself in like whatever form it may take um that's like the the way to be that's the best way to be you know productive 
Yeah, because it it's almost like forming structure for yourself because normally we have like outside structure where it's like you'd be on tour you'd have these like external cues of what you should be doing um whereas when you don't it's like well how do you make that structure for yourself because a few days of no structure can be like really relaxing and really chill um but too much like basically a lack of structure like boundaryless just usually makes people feel freaked out and amorphous like it's not not good yeah totally (laughs) which definitely this time could have lent itself to that where it's like, oh, wow, we're going on month nine of a crisis and our brains are only designed to handle three to four weeks of crisis. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Strange that. Um, It's also interesting talking to you about like the fact that you did get to kind of take time off unintentionally and away from touring and in a way that you know, I was thinking about how I would be defining myself if most of what I did was touring and like how often we define ourselves even in American culture as like, well, what do we spend our time on and also what makes us money? And now it's like, oh, those things are kind of taken away. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, what's left? And I'm like, oh, cool. You wear really cool shirts and go kayaking. That's rad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, um, I, I, I find... I just know there are so many facets at the very least of our industry that like it could have gone so much worse. Um, I don't know if you were following the venue bailout like that just was passed the most relief, the most recent relief bill in this country, but like you know, and I, I signed on to that petition to Congress for the Save Our Stages bill. Um, but like uh, some venues that I really, really love um, have gone out of business. One that I have had such incredible time playing at is U Street Music Hall. And um, it's like, in DC, I've DJed there twice. I played one of my favorite live shows on my first record there, and they um, had to close. And you know, when a venue like that closes, you're talking about venue staff losing their job. You're talking about, you know, people who would play an incredible show in DC, like not being able to play that show. And um, there have been other examples of that, and like that kind of stuff breaks my heart. But I also sort of recognize that because of this bill, you know, the federal government is going to be pouring whatever it's like 10 to $15 billion into stages. It could have been a lot worse. And, and like, I also just, I know that I, I feel lucky that I'm in this position where I'm totally okay. I don't need to uh, going kayaking and like stuff like that is okay. Cause I know that so many other people are not in that position. So Um, I don't know. I I just, I do think a lot about how it can be weird to say how much worse it could be because it's a tragedy. I mean, like 4,000 of our country people are passing away every day. That's awful. That's so, so bad. Um, So in and of itself, it's grotesque, but I I also try to think about the fact that it could be worse, Um, you know, musicians, friends, the, everybody that I know have their health. And I know that that's not the case for most people. So I don't know if I, I realize I'm kind of being scatterbrained and, and long-winded and not making a 
particularly concise point. I guess I would just say that like, uh, yeah, the fact that I can see the other side of this for the music industry, for live music, for touring, for people getting in a room together and like sharing that experience. Um, I, I think that that's lucky. Yeah. And by the way, it's a podcast. So it's like all about being scatterbrained and long-winded. <laughs> <laughs> like that's our format. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. <gasps> no, you touched on something that it's like, there is like the tragedy of the pandemic itself, obviously, but there's also the fact that there isn't a lot of support for I mean, it's finally coming, but support for the people that surround the live music industry. No, of course, there should have been there should have been a bill six months ago. Absolutely. Yeah. Like that to me is kind of wild that it's like, yes, there's the redefinition of self when we're not being observed by others. But then there's like the redefinition of people who have essentially like the industry in which they work disappeared. And so I think of like people like lighting techs and like sound techs and things like that that are reliant upon shows and tours and venues that it's like what do you do when you have that skill set but that's vanished yeah absolutely and so like i think about like the economic effect and the effect on like i mean i don't know if you've talked to people who are like trying to find jobs during this time things like that like i feel very grateful that i work with like a pretty wide range of people in mm -hmm. my therapy practice and like a few people have lost their jobs um and a few people have not um, some people are like super thriving. I found that people are either like underemployed or like super overemployed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like yeah, one yeah. or the other. Um, but trying to find work during this time, particularly if your skill set is in an industry that's impacted, it's like it's so hard not to take it personally. Of course, of course. And you know, like people that we work with people in our crew we check in um our management checks in and uh everybody's seems to be okay you know like um there were between like unemployment benefits and um you know ppp loans and stuff like that yeah. um you know people seem to be taken care of which again is is lucky that is really fortunate yeah especially with like i think they just rolled out another paycheck protection loan um yes yeah 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 like because it's just it's kind of wild to me like looking at how other countries have handled this versus ours of like how to support people through a crisis yes 100 percent um that's been you can't see me right now i just i, I don't know what face i pulled i pulled kind of like a oh, face <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, because it's a luxury that like you and I get to sit and talk about like how being in the arts impacts your identity and like what happens when you have to step away from it. I was like, that's that's an absolute luxury and privilege. 100%. No question. So it has been it's been fascinating talking to people during this time, though, because I think that a lot of people have been looking to artists for guidance in a way, which is mm -hmm. kind of fascinating to me because I'm like, uh, we're, we're just people figuring this all out, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have you found that, like, your relationship with people who follow your music, has it changed at all during this time? Um, you know, I don't know. I can't really tell yet. Um, I, you'll receive those messages where, like, someone will tell you a song that you wrote got them through a tough time and 
that's like always one of those affirming and beautiful things about having made something that touches someone else. Um, and that always feels special. That felt special, you know, the first time someone said that to me, whatever, like 12 years ago. Um, the fact that we're all going through tough times and, and more so than ever as a result of this, uh, I think that maybe that just like heightens it. As far as like things changing, I can't really, no examples come to mind of something that was changed. Got it. Yeah, you might see, I'm curious to see what happens when you release the album, like what it's like to interact with people then. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's going to be so weird. It just, it just, <laughs> it's, I, I, to me, it is just going to be so weird, but, you know, particularly because like, it's mostly electronic music. It's like fairly banging for lack of a better descriptor. Mm -hmm. And like, it's like um, music in a way that's made for being in a room together. I, I found, I, and, and, you know, I like, on my record, every song, there's like a verse and a chorus and it's like traditional song structure. I started my career like of solo stuff, definitely like making like house instrumentals. And I found that the hardest music to listen to or just like the most um, uncanny or surreal music to listen to right now is club music because like yeah. club music is made specifically for the purpose of being in a crowded room with other people while you feel it in your body. That is like what club music is made in mind with. And that's like how club music is consumed. So like uh, listening to a club track at my house on like a dinky speaker or whatever, it just, it's so, so, so weird and so surreal. Like I, I've been, um, I made some DJ mixes to go around with the record. And I actually, I loved it. You know, I did, I did it like last week and, I, and I've loved listening to club music again because it it's fun, but it's still just like out of every genre of music because it is so focused on like the physical and the being in the same room. It just, it, it sounds so weird right now to my ears. I agree. Like, I think it's really interesting that you talked about like DJing. Cause like I've seen people like DJing on Twitch and I find that fascinating because I'm like, yeah, well, I'm like, I guess if you like play it through actually your monitors or big speakers, it's like people throw kind of like virtual dance parties. Yeah. And I always, I always loved like boiler room. Um, you know, I, I would plenty of times that I would like throw DJ mixes on at home. And I think that, yeah, there've been times where people go on Twitch or do like Instagram DJing and like, um, it helps make people feel less alone. And I think that that's a beautiful thing for me personally right now. It just, um, it feels surreal and it kind of, in a way, like for me, this is an entirely personal thing, but it kind of goes back to what I was saying at the beginning of our conversation where like um, watching someone do a live stream of them DJing just kind of reminds me that we're in this pandemic, reminds me yeah. of the situation that we're in. And um, like, I, I personally, and this is like purely personally, this is not a value judgment on anybody either like enjoying listening to streams of DJs or like streaming DJs, but personally it's just not for me because I have enough reminders of the pandemic as it is in my life, you know? 
Yeah, a friend of mine was saying that like they actually prefer not to FaceTime because unless like you already had like a FaceTime relationship prior to the pandemic, they're like, it just reminds me that like I can't. I like that. Yeah, that, I, I like that. I mean, I think there would be something, fuck, there would be something so cool about just like striking up a straight up pen pal relationship with one of your friends, just like truly, truly through the like, you know, sending them a letter in the mail, like uh, yeah. during this time, there, there would be something like powerful in that. Uh, that's just something that came to mind right now as we're having this conversation. But um, I literally love that idea. And I cannot picture anything more like hilariously pandemic Victorian than sitting in like my nap dress with my hair down to my butt writing a letter. And I'm like, I need to do this. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> I was like, this needs to happen. This needs to happen just for my own edification. <laughs> Absolutely. Hell yeah. I like that idea a lot, though, because it does embrace that, like, this is a time of, like, qua, like, no one knows what's going on. Um, but it embraces it in a way that, like, doesn't emphasize the distance. It's almost like, let's embrace something about it that we can give it novelty and we can give it meaning. Um, because that's how humans are happiest when we have meaning. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. No question. <sighs> we get a little strange otherwise. <laughs> Pam, Pam, I have a question for you because you've used Victorian multiple times. Do you uh, read romance novels by any chance? Hilariously, I do not. But one of my friends is obsessed with them. Like one of my okay. mates is obsessed with them. And she's also a writer. Okay. I was curious because my wife writes romance novels. Um uh that's hilarious oh yeah, my yeah. god i was just like your wife and my podmate would probably talk tell your your friend uh scarlet peckham is my wife's pen name it's uh they're they're great books oh my god that's amazing i must confess i have not read a proper romance novel i've read a lot of other things this pandemic and i've read i've read four and they're all by my wife so i'm uh compromised but uh they're great <laughs> I was like, one, that's dedication. Two, you're an awesome partner. And three, now I kind of want to read one of her books. You should. Check them out. That's amazing. I was like, I'm reading five other books right now. Should I throw in a romance novel? Yeah, why not? Hell yeah. <laughs> that's phenomenal. I guess like outside of music, because you started in music so young. I was just like, did you do stuff outside of music prior to that? Or was it always just like, surprise, there you're a musician? No, yeah, I, um, I, when I was finishing college, I definitely like entertained taking, you know, a different path, but the band started when I was in school and, um, basically we got our record deal while I was in my last semester of college and then like kind of immediately went on our first tour. So, um, I I moved home with my mom in Westchester, New York for six weeks and then started touring and then uh, didn't stop until January of this year, I guess. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> no wonder you went into kind of a weird cocoon when this all started. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't regret it. I don't. It, it, uh, it made sense at the time. And like, I, I felt just good and healthy and like lucky and careful so it's uh it's it's what I needed to do it was my natural response and yeah it made sense and still makes sense to me 
Yeah. I was just like, no, that makes sense. And I'm, I'm glad that you didn't like shame yourself for it. There were several people that, especially in like, I guess like lockdown part one that I talked to that were like, I feel like I should be doing more. And I'm like, why you're surviving and taking care of yourself and other people. Like, that's pretty awesome. Absolutely. hundred <laughs> percent. I'm like, if that's what you've like quote achieved this year, that's pretty rad. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> I guess like in closing, what would you impart to people who are creating during this time or who are thinking of creating at some point in the near future? Um, I would say that this is something that really just started happening like when I put out my first record and like, uh, I would do interviews just for my first solo record. And I, I don't know why, but the question that I would keep getting asked was, what is the one piece of advice you would give to a kid right now? Like, what is what is the one thing you would impart? Now, I have no idea what that has to do with, like, making electronic music and, like, <laughs> it and, like writing songs about, um, you know, drone strikes and shit like like I, I you know for whatever reason that question got asked to me multiple times and I thought long and hard about it and the one piece of advice that I wish someone had just like sat me down when I was like I don't know 11 years old was that every feeling passes like mm. when you're in the moment um and you're like and I, I would say this mostly to think about in the context of when you're feeling negative moments, when you're um, stressed out or sad or angry or depressed or like just, yeah, just want to scream at the top of your lungs, that feeling will at some point pass. Yes. Um, and, you know, when I would have been a teenage boy, I would have thought like, when the first time I got my heart broken, I would have thought like, gosh, this will never, ever end. But it, it does. It, it, it passes. And to kind of connect it to your question, I would say that like, if you are driven to create, if you're driven to write a song, if you're driven to make music, when you do it and it connects with yourself, um, that's a beautiful feeling. You feel that like beautiful feeling in the moment there. Um, sadly, that moment, that feeling in that moment will someday pass, but if you have a song or a lyric or even a single sound, you'll have a little artifact of how you felt in that nice moment. And you'll be able to hold on to that and carry that with you for the rest of your life. So uh, if you're thinking of writing a song, go ahead and write it. Just, just if you're driven to create, create. And then there'll be this thing that will exist uh, past the moment in which it was created. I love that. Like the, that it's like artifacts of feelings. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's what music is, huh? <laughs> artifacts I, of feelings. Artifacts of feelings. That's and that's beautiful advice as well because even even in the good moments, it's like remembering that since all feelings pass, like when you do feel really just like connected and wholehearted, it's precious because you won't absolutely. always feel that way. Um, and same thing for bad moments. It's so funny. I tell my clients that all the time that they're like, I feel really terrible. I'm like, yeah, you do yeah you're not going to at some point and they're just like how do you know that I was like did you feel terrible leading up to this and they were like well no I felt a whole bunch of things I was like well then logically in the future you're gonna feel a whole bunch of things too yeah absolutely <laughs>
now I just want to write about the artifacts of feelings. That's it just came out, but now, yeah, I love the, <laughs> the ring of it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, song challenge, go. We each write the artifacts yeah, of feelings. Exactly. <laughs> come back in a month and be like, what did you come up with? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was how one of the songs I wrote this year started is someone was like, gosh, it feels so strange. And I was like, yeah, it kind of feels all very like life, death and summer vacation. And then I was like, oh, wait, hold up. I got to write that. <laughs> have, you seen, have you seen Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story? No. <laughs> oh, you have to see it. It's like a fake version of all those music documentaries. It's so funny, but he'll like be, it's like all the cliches of music, but he'll like be getting in a fight with his wife and like he'll divorce his wife. And while they're like having a divorce fight, he'll like yell something at her and then he'll stop and be like, that's a song title. <laughs> like. <laughs> You have to watch it if you, <laughs> you have to watch this movie. <laughs> that might be my weekend plan. I had like really big aspirations for this week in general. And then it was like, lol. <laughs> you know what? No, no aspirations. <laughs> no aspirations could be grander than seeing Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story for the first time, in my opinion. So that's you've accomplished all you would need to ever accomplish in a weekend if you watch that movie. That's going to be my watermark. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, it has been such a pleasure. I really appreciate you spending time with me and hanging out on the podcast and doing a friendship. Thank you so much, Pam. I had a great time today. Thank you again for listening to this episode of Why Not Both. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to like us and subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform. You can also come hang out with us on social media. We are at WNB the podcast, both on Instagram and on Twitter. This season, we are brought to you by Under the Radar magazine. Under the Radar is a nationally distributed print, music, and entertainment magazine and website. You can find them at www.undertheradarmag.com and feel free to support them on Patreon. Extra special thanks to our producer, Laura Studeris, who is literally a rock star. Thanks again, and I look forward to seeing you next episode.